Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Yo, what's the deal, Panther fans? Tony Dunn here. C3 Panthers podcast, living on Tuesday night, 9 p.m. We're not under here under the best of circumstances. Tonight, I came in here ready to will ourselves, will Panther Nation uh, into uh, a second wind. And now there's just more things sucking the wind out of our sails. And it sucks as it cuts, as old Wayne said, with the sucking cut. All right, guys, you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. I got my homeboys here tonight. Cody Lashney in the house. How are you doing? Tony Dunn. I wish I could say I was doing better concerning my Carolina Panthers. Uh, we're going to have some very real moments tonight. Evaluate the future of this team. Evaluate the future of Cam Newton and a player that we all have a ton of respect for. The chat room is lit up with all the faithfuls. Underground West, Nova Black, Legacy Lynn, Richards Outdoor World. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, Tony Dunn. Let's roll. Greg, how's it going, my man? I'm doing all right, man, but I can't follow that. Uh, <laughs> I know. He came in firing studs, firing studs. Yeah. If take away last week in fantasy football, I'd probably be doing a whole lot better. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to talk some Panthers. All right. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at the Bad Daddy 52 on Twitter. I'm at cat underscore chronicles and Cody is Cody C O D L A C guys tonight's show. You know what is I did not, um, tonight's show was originally called Panthers hope to kill state bird. And the idea is we're going to Arizona. It's an opportunity against the team that, uh, is, has not been looked upon by the league as, as that good as has yet to find their first win. If I believe if, if I'm right. And, you know, new coach, new quarterback, an opportunity for the Panthers to bounce back, get out of Charlotte, get out of North Carolina, get the stank off of them, and get the smell of a W. But unfortunately, tonight's or today's news dealing with Cam Newton and the cryptic, mysterious injury or cryptic, mysterious reasons that Cam is not going to be starting and Sounds like potentially is on the not in the near future, possibly uh, starting for the Carolina Panthers. It's a bizarre situation. So we're going to be it's Cam Newton locked in loaded from the beginning of the show pretty much uh, throughout. But we also had a great show lined up before all this happened tonight. We've got former NFL player and Major League Baseball player Ed Smith, former tight end for uh, he was on the 98 Atlanta Falcons when they won the NFC championship. And he, uh, he does a, he's an Arizona media member, Arizona Cardinals member. He has the Believe in Cardinals podcast. His name's Ed Smith. You can follow him at 
Ed Smith Speaks. He's going to be coming on at 930 uh, to kind of give us some insight or to give us some insight into uh, the birds, those cardinals that we're trying to kill, uh, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, what the heck is going on with David Johnson's wrist, where is that front office at? We got a lot of questions for him, but until then, it's Cam Newton and Panic or whatever we are. We got to figure out where we're at. All right. The C3 Panthers podcast. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe. Be a part of the show. You can participate in the chat room with one of the livest chat rooms in Panther Nation. Uh, and you can be a part of the show by calling into the cat calls. The line is 252-228-5098. And it's locked and loaded tonight. A lot of people are interested in or we're all here. We're all eyes. We're all ears. And Cody, what are we all eyes and ears about, dude? The news today breaks that Cam Newton's at practice, and then it's out of practice, and then in like four minutes, it snowballs into Cam Newton's not even going to be playing against the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, a, a bunch of things happened, and it's such a weird timeline of events. You know, uh, after a Thursday night, you, you let it age and you get away from the football game. And then Sunday happens. And then Drew Brees breaks his finger. And now all of a sudden the NFC South doesn't look as insurmountable as it did before. And then, you know, uh, uh, Tony and I were going we're gonna to do the show tonight. And I, I told Tony and Greg, you know, we should do a reset show. Reset our emotions. Try and look at the positive and, and be confident about the Panthers going forward. And then, man, here comes this haymaker coming from the right that no one sees coming. And um, I, if you follow me on Twitter, at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter, um, I already put this out. But honesty is my new policy, man. And, I mean, it's, it's always been my policy, but I'm not letting my bias interfere with my opinions. And I, I honestly feel that we're watching the final moments of Hush. Hush. Career. Hush. I, you can't. I don't, I don't, I don't want. I don't Why do you want think it's that bad? It. Why do you think we're at that point already? Ask me. Answer me that. Because no one knows what's wrong. You and I were debating, is this a mental thing? Is this something that is, you know, in Cam Newton's head? Is he healthy? Is it a combination of all of those things? The fact that we don't know and that no one knows, it, and he's not practicing. Do y'all remember when Cam didn't practice for New Orleans at the end of last season? A terrible performance. How are the Panthers going to move forward with Cam Newton in the state that he's in right now? I just, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem smart it doesn't seem reasonable and i don't know this feels different than every other cam newton incident that we've had in the past few years so what what happens today is that cam newton does not come to practice and let me clarify this lynn says this is it is it official he's not playing sunday against the cardinals no it's not official as you're you're correct they um they he's listed his day to day and but if you and I'm I'm sure I'm sure Lynn watched the press conference. I mean, she follows it just as close as we do. But if you saw Ron Rivera's press conference today, actually here, um, well, he was very um, cryptic. 
And what I mean, he, he didn't have anything to say, first of all. So I don't know if you can be cryptic with nothing. But he acted like this, is that he really didn't understand what was going on. He just said, well, Cam's been getting treatment. Just found out today he wasn't going to be practicing. And uh, we're prepared. He really spoke in a way that implied that Cam would not be playing this weekend. Like he was not expecting. He wasn't saying, look, you know, the foot is bothering him. And uh, we're going to see how treatment goes. He said that in the back ends. But he was like, I just don't know what's going on. And it sounds to me that there is something behind the scenes there. Maybe between Cam and himself, Cam and Cam, Cam and the team, Cam and the coaching staff, Cam and I don't know, but something is bizarre, Greg. It smells, it smells of something more than just a sore foot. We're talking about the man who played after a car crash with a cracked back. We're talking about a man that we've seen take helmet to the head, helmet to the back, helmet to the grill everywhere. And get up in pain and will himself through it. What we saw, to, to be honest, a minor foot injury, if it's not broken, if it's not a Liz Frank, it's still, a, yes, it's a foot sprain. Isn't it surprising, Greg, that Cam Newton wouldn't just power through that? Does that show some fatigue on his end? Or where where the heck is it? Where are we at? Are you worried beyond just Saturday, Sunday? Well, you know, to touch on what both of y'all are saying here, I, I am a little worried myself, but not necessarily that Cam is done, but I can understand somebody feeling that way because it's been so long since we've seen him be really good. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's lost eight straight games. He hasn't thrown a, a touchdown in four straight games. And that, that, that that's a big deal. Now, I can say there are four um, Hall of Fame quarterbacks that have had eight-game losing streak before. So that doesn't mean that he can't come back to greatness. Uh, right, but I right. Think it's no. Kind of a recency bias, huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a. Yeah, I don't think uh, after Sunday or Thursday, I wasn't going. Oh, I'm worried that Cam Newton might never come back. Period. I never had that thought. I just thought, oh crap, we're dealing with something. Something ain't right. It's going to take a while. But now he's not even play. That now it's. I just felt like all of a sudden my optimism, whatever I could conjure up at the moment. I can't conjure any up, and you're right. It's been so long, and I think that might be the problem for Cam. It's been so long since he's had Juju. It, it almost looks like he's lost his passion for the game. Like, I hate saying it, but when Cam's happy, he plays really well. I haven't seen him with a smile on his face during a game in a long time. You know, A long I, time. I, Go ahead. Yeah. No, that, I was finished. Good. Well, and, and it's... It's it's hard to not draw the Andrew Luck comparisons when we just saw this happen. So what part of the reason why Andrew Luck retired is he started having a calf injury, and then they thought that it was one thing, and then it was another thing. So now we're questioning questioning even the nature of the foot injury. Was it just a sprain? Is it something more than that? If it needs to go see a specialist then it, it seems that it's something even more than what we were fearing that it was. I mean, I, I can't put enough emphasis on it. It's his right foot. That's your load foot. You put all your weight and pressure on that foot. Oh, come on. Cam has been throwing off his back foot his whole career. 
Ba-dum. I, I think it's- <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny joke. That was a funny that, joke. But listen, and look, that that adds to the point, though. I mean, if, if Cam Newton is going to be Cam Newton, and you know, make these off-platform throws that he's been able to do for the majority of his career, man, that's an important injury to have happen to you. This on the heels of a shoulder repair not being able to run and, and feel like himself. I, I just, you know, I don't want to be a pessimist. And, of course, I want Cam Newton to come back and break records and do all the things that we've always felt that he was going to do after that MVP season. But the my, my rational mind do, doesn't see it that way or at least wonders how that's going to happen because it doesn't look good right now. All well, right, I, so I ask you, go ahead, Greg. Yeah. Go ahead. Do, do you think the not running thing is because he's being instructed to, or do you think he still has the option, like the coaches still give him the freedom to make that decision, and he's not—he personally isn't doing that. But there are far less designed runs, and that's okay. obvious. But I do feel that you know he's not even scrambling to make a play on his own, and that's been a part of his gameplay for a long time. And is not doing that. Now, I do feel there's a concerted effort on the part of our coaches to be more of a drop-back passing quarterback. And Cam is 100% on board with that. And I've never doubted his ability to do it. But it feels as though now that they're trying to make that transition, it's these injuries are making that process take even longer than before. All right, so in the chat room, um, it was someone who brought it up. They said, look, we're 0 and 1,000 when Cam has doesn't run it. And, of course, he didn't run it because – I mean, because he didn't run it because he was uh, – of course, he's unhealthy, his foot. I Here's my thing. I'm not denying that Cam has have, is, is, is dealing with injury, right? I mean, I think that is clear. Every football player is. I thought the shoulder was doing better. Uh, then maybe it is. And, and while this foot may be problematic, the way we're seeing and talking about it in the feel of it sounds like it's a major injury, but we have no reason to believe it's a major injury, right? Is there's no, and so that's what it is. It's like, how is this so much to where, why is it can't, if this was just a sore foot, isn't Rod coming out and say, look, we're really hoping that he's going to be back. We're preparing like he could be back, but we're also going to have Kyle Allen ready in case he can't. He's day to day. He's improving. Things are getting worse. Things are getting better no it was like i don't know what the fuck is going on i don't even know what team i coach i don't know who my quarterback is i don't even know the name of the doctor and and it was so bizarre and so to me that suggests there is something more than just the injury so i think this is a combination of foot shoulder and soul and there is like you've we've talked about the passion part we talk about the mental part we've looked at if you look at his video that you put out on a blog it's freaking bizarre too Right is I didn't I didn't get past uh, minute five because you sent it to me right by the by the show. But you're trying to tell me after the worst effing performance in Cam Newton's whole life that he puts out a video that starts with him like, oh, this was a tough game, ah, uh, you know, blah blah, and then it goes, hey, let's talk about my hats and my fucking clothes and this and that, and then back to yeah. you know, you just got to deal with this. 
it seemed like that mug has been body snatched. Cam Newton has been stolen from us. The Cam Newton that we know, somebody has taken him. They have replaced his soul with an alien. They have replaced his soul with a dang Matt Ryan and cross-dressing clothes. I don't know what it is, but it is, there is something to this that we know if this if we know the cam and the warrior right and we know cam the warrior we've seen it we we lived it is that if we know that that's the case he's trying to fight to get back it seems like the fight is gone now last question because we got to drop into the cat calls because we got ed smith former nfl um a tight end host of the believe in Cardinals podcast, Ed Smith's going to come on to help us preview the Arizona Cardinals. And if you're interested in that interview, go ahead and smash the thumbs up button and hang around to 8:30. Share the show. We need to grow Panther. This is the time that we're going to embrace each other and grow together. Now, the final. Oh, what was I going to say? I had one other thing I was going to say. I thought. Were we going to cat calls? I don't know. You were going to say that Moneybags lost and says that Sober Tony is too rational. Sober Tony also loses his thoughts. All right, let's jump into these cat calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty – you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good like – I just – it just hit me. <laughs> After you took a sip of beer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Hi guys, Rich here. So What's up, Rich? In the morning, and that only got me to half time. Oh my god. This uh, is after Thursday. Really? Anyway, <laughs> I was at the point of wondering how I should sell my ticket for London at the light of four. 400% market. Um, but I felt much, much better listening to the podcast than listening to Tony's uh, drunken rants, which were fantastic. Cody, I'm with you as well. Um, I've been talking about this since last year. It, it, Ron Rivera's a defensive coordinator. North Turner's probably past his sell-by date. That trick play at the end. You want to do a trick play? Run Don Tare Poe up the middle. The guy's 300. <laughs> there you really go. Put him and Alex Armour behind each other just to push Cam over. I mean, if you want to mess around, running sideways, right? I played high-level rugby. Running sideways, you are such an easy target. You go, you are not balanced. You can't make the contact. Christian McCaffrey bounces people head on. When you get hit from the side, you've got no resistance to it. It was yeah. a ridiculous play call. It was like how to be super smart on my great, and it and it wasn't. Um, I'm totally with. I've just listened to the podcast. I'm totally with your guy in Utah. You're listening to me as well. Hello, mate. Yeah, really anguish going on. Um, Cam's accuracy was horrendous. I mean that. This is he has not heard about the news yet. Watch the highlights and, and no. in a tiny package. You seem to hit Greg Olson a couple of times, but yeah, the dynamism. I mean. You know, in comparison, that the, the long pass to Curtis Samuel, you know, most quarterbacks would have stuck that out there and Curtis would have scored a touchdown. I mean, you know, not just Mahomes, but, you know, Jared Goff, who's kind of okay as long as he's clean and stuff. Like, really, I don't, I don't know if the shoulder's gone or what's going on with Cam, but, you know, I know everybody's a massive Cam defender. I know you guys are. Um, 
but a, an honest evaluation. If he can't run, because remember when we talk about how great he is, we always add the running stats and the touchdowns. Yeah, you got he to. It's part of his game. Right. You know, he, he sees things well, but my God, if he can't run and he's losing confidence as well, like you said it, below the Dalton line, it, you know, it's a worry. He can bounce back because we know he can bounce back. But, oh, my God. Anyway, you know, I'm not sure about the pressure coming from the D-line either. doesn't look like it's, it's massive. I think Irvin coming back will help. Uh, Luke was a monster. Like you, worried about Dante Jackson. He got burnt a load. I know Bradbury got done for a long one, but, yeah, Dante's getting picked on. I think that, that's a bit of a worry. Um, He's too confident at I times. Just, I just hope right. it improves. Okay, so, you know, so yeah, here. Catch him live and I get like, so this is the call that comes in before the cam. I mean, this came in. Uh, Rich, Rich sent this call maybe on Friday or Saturday, right? After our post game. Now, here's the thought that came to me. Oh, God. If I lost it again. Um, holy fuck. Hold on. Let me take a, let me take a sip of my beer. Take a slam. Get your head right. All right. Let's go to the next call. Podcast. Panther Nation. How y'all doing? G of RCA. I'm still pissed off about the Tampa Bay game, man. It's so crazy to me, man, that, you know, the rain caused them camera angles to be at a certain position. Because yeah, I don't give a damn what nobody says, that. man. When Cam reached out for that first down, that was the first down. That was the first down. About the camera angles. I mean, they tell me the refs couldn't see that was the first down because he reached out. That dude was six foot five and he reached out. That wasn't the first down. To me, that was a first down, and I don't give a damn. They should have called a quarterback sneak instead of doing that damn naked bootleg ghost shit or whatever the hell Ron yeah, Rivera said. There was no way in hell if I was the head coach, I would have, I would have, would have, would have done done that play. I would have told North Turner to shut the hell up. I'm the head coach. We're doing a quarterback sneak. You know what I'm saying? Cam Newton is six five, two fifty something, man. That's a big boy, man. He's like a damn linebacker. You mean to tell me he can't go forward? And this is my opinion. To me, that lets me know that he's daggone hurt. I was watching the press conference today with Ron Rivera on Panthers.com, and he was saying, you know, they, they realized that his foot was hurt after the game. That's bullshit. I'm sorry, man. That's yes. bullshit. Ooh. Dude, that hasn't taken off running at all. We have you know to talk saying? about that. What he did, he fumbled, whatever, man. A healthy cam, a 2014-15 cam, you know damn well he would have went for that quarterback sneak. So they could say what they want to say. I don't believe it man I think Cam is hurt do I think he can bounce back yes I think he can bounce back me personally I think he can cause I'm gonna let everybody know this everybody listening and y'all too listening right now man I am a Panthers fan I'm not just a Cam Newton fan I'm a Panthers fan okay and it's like yeah. this if he was struggling that daggone bad looking hideous monster just pulled the damn quarterback and put the back up in cause y'all remember 2003 Ronnie Peake was laying a damn goose egg he was laying eggs against Jacksonville when John Fox yeah. took Jake De Lahome and look what the hell happened. But he didn't want to, though. Jake De Lahome or anything like that. Be a head coach. I love the way he says that. You a head coach. <laughs> De La Home. And the fans, we deserve better than this shit. Me personally, I think we could beat Arizona. I think our defense will win that game for us. In my opinion, if we can't beat a damn rookie coming out of college, then we have a damn problem. So, uh, you know, give me y'all, um, opinions on that. And another thing, we need to, we need to, Get rid of Eric Washington. Keep him as a as the the defensive the damn defensive line head coach. Be defensive coordinator. He is horrible, man. He is horrible. 
He is horrible, man. So that's the elephant in the room. Do not let Eric Washington call any, any, any damn fucking damn um, defensive plays. Let Ron do that shit. Keep pounding. All right. Yeah, thanks, G. Uh, Long-time caller, show favorite favorite friend of ours, and always a great caller. He's talking about clearly Cam Newton's injured. It's bullshit to say that Ron Rivera just found out about it after the game. Here's my question, you guys. We did a post-game show, right? I mean, it was late, and I was lit, but I do remember doing the post-game show. Now, I was only lit because I had to go to the bar and watch the game because of some stupid stuff, and I just found out that Amazon Prime does Thursday night games, so now I don't ever have to do that again. (laughs) But when we watched that game, yes, we said something's clearly wrong with Cam. It could be injury, but none of us said it was distinctly and clearly a hobbled Cam Newton. What we said was, is Cam Newton was awful. And I understand that injuries can make you awful, but how do they make you that awful? If you have, if you're hobbled, look, I've seen a game. I was at, I think I might have been at the game. Where the Byron Leftwich played the ECU Pirates. It was a bowl game. I was watching on TV. He, like, broke his ankle, and they had the mugs, the linemen, carrying his ass up, and he played the next play. Did he look like he was when he was healthy? No. But he, like, I don't see, like, Cam, like, gingering that foot. I don't see Cam doing anything like, oh, God, my shoulder, the motion. It's like something's just not working. Like, his body is not working, but it doesn't look like he's necessary. Does he look like he's limping? So money uh, money bag says he wants drunk Tony after every post game. I can't. I'm gonna get fired from my job. <laughs> well, see, my name is good, Tony. Right? My name is uh Ton. I gotta come up with a new name where it's like I do my name and I switch the letters around or something. So uh, you know, pertaining to what my man was talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm not a believer in in either of these head coaches, and I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think so. I think Cam Newton re-aggravated the foot injury during the game. Uh, there was a specific point in the game uh, that I think it was when he was moving out of bounds and throwing uh, the ball out of bounds. Yeah, Joe Person yeah. tried to identify the play, but you can't right. even really see anything. Right. Joe Person that? said that it was, a, it was an overthrow, which it wasn't. My, my point is this, though. If Cam Newton is not telling about these injuries – and not letting people know that this was J Dub's point. Him, then he's putting the team in a worse spot by giving them a, a flawed version of himself, a not capable Cam Newton. Then it's on him. But like everyone else has said, no one believes that Ron Rivera didn't know the extent of the foot injury. That, that, All right, but I mean, do you do you believe truly though that while we understand that Ron would be encouraging, uh, like while he would want Cam Newton to play, correct? I mean, he would want he didn't want that Cam Newton to play. I gu- I guarantee you that, right? Well, um, but at the same time, it does not seem like he has enough. Unless he has, like you said, brainwashed Cam. How does he really truly have enough? To like get Cam, if if this isn't super major, I don't know. I don't feel like this is abuse by the coaching staff. Like, oh, we shot him up. It doesn't even look like you shoot Cam up with 
painkillers and it gets any better. Right. Well, here's the thing is, is we're kind of putting it in a very tough position because in one hand we're saying, why isn't Ron Rivera playing him? He doesn't look that injured. But in the other hand, we're saying, well, if he's injured, he shouldn't be playing. And if he gets injured while he's playing, and it was because he was injured, you know, uh, Ron Rivera made him play while he was injured, then we're going to get mad they played him. But if they don't play him, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really tough, man. Like, we put him in a no-win situation, you know? Um, I understand. I want to I touch on one part of that call that we hadn't talked about. Why is it that the refs don't have the same views that the public does? I don't know. Why, That's why a good question. What we see on TV? I, so I, I thought that they did, and I thought that whenever the cameras went out in the stadium because of the RAM delay or the lightning delay, that uh, they weren't able to see the best angles that showed Cam Newton reaching for the first down. So, uh, yeah, something that had nothing, you know, we had nothing to do with uh, a weather delay ended up causing us a first down. Early All right. On. All right, let's. We're we're about ready to move. Yeah, do not ever say that again. All right, you're uh you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We are going to be moving on to the next segment of the show right after this break, but uh, I do want to encourage you guys this: go ahead, and smash the thumbs up button, subscribe to the show, uh, be a part of the show by participating in the chat room, and call into the Cat Calls line. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. We've got like twenty calls after our guest tonight. Hey, and I even had somebody shout out to the fan today that. The first per- so we sell these t-shirts guys if you're listening like casually we make a t-shirt for our fantasy football league every year and we and I always order some extras and then I end up selling them I've had these we we made these I stand with cam t-shirts we made these in 2016 now this was after the Denver Broncos were targeting his head the dang refs weren't calling nothing every year the meaning of this t-shirt has changed Right. It's been if it's the ref in the head, if it's the shoulder, if it's the fans and the backups or whatever the hell it is. And right now, one person bought this shirt today. It was the first shirt I stand with Cam shirt sold in like a year. That is a true damn fan right there. So shout out. I don't want to give their name out because that's probably not right. It's like whatever. But you could get your I stand with Cam. There's only like eight left. Hey, they're a limited edition. So go ahead and be a part of the show. Stand with Cam. Oh, and did you see this other one right here? This is this year's shirt. Keep pounding, right? Because celebrating our trip uh, to London, and it was a lot cooler when Cam was potentially going to be part of our team. All right, let's move on to the show. We've got a guest tonight, guys. Special guest tonight, Ed Smith. You can follow him at Ed Smith Speaks, former tight end for the Falcons. Boo. But awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Two-sport professional player, uh, several teams, so, uh, the NFL as well as Major League Baseball. Ed Smith, host of Believe in Cardinals podcast. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. Man, it's a pleasure to be here with you fellas. So, Ed, you uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you have a role in Arizona. How did you get into your uh, your media role in following the Arizona Cardinals? How kind of, what, what implanted you in Arizona? Well, I've been uh, I've been out here for about 16 years now, you know, floating around for a bunch of years before that in terms of, you know, where I was located, but finally made home here. I have a radio show on NBC Sports Radio 1060 AM uh, every Saturday from 10 to 12. And this opportunity was presented to myself and my believe in the Arizona Cardinals 
podcast uh, teammate. He's actually my radio co-host as well, presented to us to cover these Cardinals. And we thought it'd be a lot of fun. Obviously, with uh, everything we got going on out here, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. So, you know, it's uh, it's been a good start to the season in terms of stuff to talk about. I'm not going to say on the field has been great so far, but obviously we've had a good time in terms of uh, following what they do with the Cardinals. So tell us where the Cardinals are at right now. And just actually, before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host tonight. Cody Lashney's on the mic. Say what's up, Cody. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good, Cody. Good to meet you, man. <laughs> and we got Greg Schlager. We call him the Bat Daddy. What's up, Greg? Anyway, Greg, say hello. I feel like I'm telling my children to say hello. I've got three kids. <laughs> how you doing, man? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. All right, so tell us this. We brought you on because we're playing there as the Panthers are going. Uh, and sorry if, I mean, like this crazy news broke today with the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. The things have become more than complicated. But uh, we were we were really, or even when we contacted you and we were preparing for tonight's show a couple of days ago, uh, this was a show where we were going to try to bring the fan base back to like optimism this is a time look the the carolina state bird north carolina state bird bird is the cardinal the name of the show tonight was panthers set to kill eat cardinals right or eat state <laughs> eat eat state bird eat state bird that's what the title of the show was and we were going to try to rah rah it and then cam this crazy news comes out about cam so let's turn our focus to the arizona cardinals where are you guys at as an organization right now started out zero and two with a new quarterback and a new coach just where are the arizona cardinals at in this part of the season well, actually, we're 0-1-1. We have to take credit. Oh, that's right. Tie. It was the tie. That's right. Even though I, I think that's the worst thing in all of professional sports is a tie in football. So <laughs> that doesn't even count. Uh, where we are right now, man, we're in that, that zone where we just don't know what we're going to get from week to week. You know, obviously, they kept a lot under the uh, behind the curtain as far as the preseason. We, they were talking about this offense that was going to revolutionize, you know, the, the NFL and have everybody on their toes and, you know, we're going to see things we've never seen before. Thus far, we haven't seen that out here. Um, we're in a state of kind of that holding pattern in terms of the offense, just still trying to figure it out, find out what Kyler Murray is, find out what uh, Cliff Kingsbury is. You know, thus far, they've been able to move the ball a bunch during, you know, in between the 20s, struggled in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Running game has kind of been uh, just – invisible if you want to call it that we've got issues on the defensive side of the ball so our concerns I know you guys are going through that immediate trauma of what's going on with Cam you know and that that in itself can just destroy a week but right at right now out here we're just thinking we're continuing to try to figure out what the next 14 games hold for us because it could be uh, I mean we could be looking at the same type of season we had last year when we ended up winning that number one overall pick. Unfortunately, nobody wants that. But, you know, at the same time, we could win six, seven, eight games. It's just so unknown out here just because of what we've seen so far. And, you know, I'm just kind of shaking my head. I have a lot of thoughts on offensively, defensively, even coaching-wise, what's going on. But I'm sure we'll get into that as we continue on with this talk. 
Well, as and, and as you mentioned that, as, and certainly every team and every fan base has that kind of unknown element to the season. You're trying to gauge that. But when you are when you get a number one draft pick and a quarterback like Kyler Murray coming in, there's a lot of excitement. There was a lot of buzz coming into the season. And then I felt like all of a sudden it tailored off with that one false start call with the clapping in the preseason. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, well, you know what? This ain't going to work. But the, and then they were, uh, and then Cliff came, right? So you go from crazy optimism to now everybody's like, Hey, the Cardinals suck. My th- my question to you is just this is, do you have, is there a faith in the, in what you've seen so far? It's very small sample set, but just that the team's going to get better from week to week. Cause that's what you want in a team like that. Right. Is that like, you can't go, we don't expect teams to go from two wins to the playoffs. What you really want is a team to go to six wins this year, ten, eight wins the next year, 11 wins the following year. Well, you hit it right on the head. For me, it's, you know, we, no, there nobody out here has pipe dreams of playoffs or, you know, winning a Super Bowl. Those are like fantasy dreams. You know, we, we know that's not where we are. What I want to see each and every week is competition. And thus far, They've given it to us. You know, we've yeah. had signs that they're going to stay in some of these games. What what happens for, as we move forward, though, is they're going to wonder they're going to have to establish an identity, and then we'll get more comfortable. We're seeing – I don't want to see every other week a different game plan or a different tempo or, you know, those type of things. You know, the, the thing about it is if they, they'll give us hope, one, by staying in these games. I, I'm a little alarmed because every game they're falling behind early. Uh, and that, you know, you can't do that and then expect to, to stay in the majority of the games. But if they can stay in the games, be competitive, it gives us hope that we're inching in the right direction, especially after last year when it was one of the most abysmal seasons, uh, offensively, defensively, special teams, coaching, you name it. It was just a horrible thing to watch. So as long as we see progress out here, I think we're going to be okay. Um, we'll grade it, I guess, week to week. You know, a lot of times with a team – like, you know, some of those upper echelon teams, you know, you have your early season goals, you know, it's playoffs or bust. And, you you know, you kind of do it on a quarterly basis. You know, we'll, after the first four, we'll mark ourselves here after the next four. Out here, man, seriously, we're going week to week. We've it, it, that, that, you know, before we go any further into who the Cardinals are right now, and obviously we have more questions about Kyler and Kingsbury and just your overall thoughts about the team, but we need to talk about Steve Wilkes for a minute. Um, Because obviously Steve Wilkes had the Carolina connection. He was the defensive coordinator here, and then he was hired to be the head coach of the Cardinals. You know, from our perspective, we kind of view it as, man, they're going to fire a guy after one season. With no talent. With no talent. There there, there wasn't a lot of talent on the football team. He didn't really get a fair shake, so to say, but I don't want to project that. What do Cardinals fans, how did they feel about Steve? And what was your assessment on the man as a coach? As far as the fans out here, you know, they're all uh, results-based. So, you know, they're looking at the product on the field. Uh, not a lot of insight into what he was dealing with and what he took over. So for them, it was all, oh, he stinks, get him out of here. And on the flip side, for me, I felt the man's pain, what he, what he took over in terms of an uh, just the organization in general. And I know people forget it all starts at the top. Our leadership, meaning the front office, 
has not made it easy for any head coach. And there's a reason why Bruce Arians decided to get out of here when he had, you know, pretty much established himself. He just couldn't – I don't think he could take it anymore in terms of what we were seeing from the front office. Wilkes comes in, uh, and I, I will pre- preface it with this. He might have been a little over his skis a little bit just because this was probably one of the toughest first-time jobs to take over. We look at some of the other – first-time head coaches, and they take over cushy positions with established front office, talent on the field. It's an easier transition, you know, because what, what happens a lot of time with these coordinators, they come into a position where now they're the CEO, where they're not just looking over the offense or the defense or the special teams. They're now in charge of every aspect of everything that's going on. And what happens is it's a little overwhelming, you know. So hit the biggest problem for Wilkes was, he came into almost an unwinnable situation. Yeah, impossible. Yeah, and it was it was almost like a mercy killing. After last season, it was like, man, he I'm 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 glad he got out of here. <laughs> you know, just to save himself. And obviously, he's moved on. And you know, we wish him luck. But you know, the fans they'll look at it as like he was a total failure for me. Who's somebody who looks at it from the outside, looking what he took over. He really got a raw deal out here in Arizona. Yeah, so interesting, just follow up on that uh, side note to Arizona Cardinal fans is for a guy that was in over his head who had NFL experience, now you went and get, got a guy who has no NFL experience. But second is uh, the Cardinals had something like 420 roster moves last year. Like their yeah. team just completely fell apart. So they were not only bad to start with. So to the, my follow-up question to you, Ed about Steve Wilkes is after that hire and fire this kind of to me it seemed like maybe it was uh, I, if if you only give a guy that window you never believed in him in the first place yeah. so does yeah. the front office get egg on their face for making a p- poor decision and then giving up or, or giving up too quick or not giving any support or were they astute enough to realize that it wasn't going to ever work? The Arizona Cardinals front office has tripped into every move that they've made. <laughs> and it's been, it's like tripping in the dark. It's not like they, you know, they didn't even see the object they were falling over. Uh, you know, throwing the factor that not only did we have a first year head coach last year, we had Josh Rosen, who they drafted, moved up to draft in the first round, right? Yeah. So and now he's gone. Year, the following year, you repeat the process. It's like you was a wash, rinse, repeat, right? Yeah. So they go out and they get a brand new head coach, rookie head coach who's never done before, <laughs> and they draft the number one overall pick as far as quarterback. And the dude they just drafted last year, who they have playing behind this horrible offensive line, horrible offensive scheme, they just toss him to the wind. And, you know, so, you know, they, they, they take a hit out here. They try to hide behind a lot of the – you know, the goodwill they, they always try to do. They, you know, they have certain players, and we've got our Fitzgeralds and certain players, so they always promote those guys to hide the fact that they've done a horrible job in terms of even with this past year's draft. And I'll bring this up and set up real quick. Instead of going out and shoring up your offensive line, you go out and you draft the number one you know quarterback with the number one pick, but then you don't address the offensive line right. until the fourth or fifth round or whatever it is. You go get wide receivers and D-backs when you know somebody's going to have to protect this man. So, you know, for anybody who's watching, it's like, wow, they just continue to do it, man. And it just continues to get uh, piled. They just continue to add on to the futility out here as far as making the proper moves, putting the right people in the right places. 
So let me ask you about. Uh, let me just jump in one 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 thing, Greg. Uh, so you mentioned the offensive scheme that you're in. How, how do you feel uh, about Kyle Kingsbury and and this brand new offense? Because you know I, I do some scouting for DraftTech.com, and you know I'm I'm a fan of these of these kinds of of offenses and the points that that they can produce, even though the season. Um, hasn't started the way you wanted it to, and even though the offensive line is is porous, are you at least hopeful that once this offense really starts to fire up, that with this quarterback and this coach, that it has the potential to be a pretty potent, high-powered offense? You know, gentlemen, I am so worried about this offense for a couple different reasons. One, through the first two games – I think they've had 102 plays, no, 102 passing plays, 34 runs. And of those runs, a couple of those were scrambles by uh, Kyler Murray. So they count as runs even though they start out as passing plays. There's no way that you're going to win in the NFL like that. With with no running game. And, then you know, we've got all kinds of issues with the running game because your offensive line stinks. I don't like this pistol formation. Quarterback never under center. Do we have the right uh, running back for this particular offense? Those are all the questions on top of, hey, wait a minute. Do have, do we realize that although this is a passing league with this up-tempo and stuff like that, we still have to run the ball. And part of their futility even in the red zone is the closer they get to the, the, the end zone, the harder it is for them to punch it in because everything is in shotgun and pistol. You know, when it comes down to getting those fourth and ones or those third and goals and fourth and goals, can you line up man-to-man and punch him in? And I haven't seen that. For them to survive throughout this year with that type of tempo, one, it's going to put a lot of stress on their defense because you're going to have a lot of three and outs. You're going to have a lot of, have, a lot of, have a lot of fast drives. And, you know, it's going to have your defense scrambling, getting back on the field, and they're going to be gassed in, in competitions where they're playing these supreme offenses and you're giving the ball back to them. So, you know, I, the other thing is I still – I'm waiting on this – like dynamic offense is supposed to change and revolutionize the game. And you guys have probably been sitting from afar hearing how, you know, this is going to be something that nobody's ever seen. Thus far, all I've seen is a lot of read option, pistol, um, and a lot of four, a lot of like three and four wide formations, but nothing that has caused me to believe that it's going to give anybody headaches in terms of trying to game plan for it once you see it uh, multiple, multiple times throughout the uh, course of the season. Do you think that has something to do with Kingsbury coming from college and just the difference in a college player and a pro player where we, in a college, the game's a lot, well, I won't say it's faster because that doesn't make sense. No, it's I, actually slower. The, pay, the pay, Well, the, the, the pace, I mean, like it, it's a lot more passing, a lot more um, big plays. That's why you get the games in the 60s and 70s in college. It's also a lot more mismatches as far as defense goes. But uh, the fact that they're younger players and that they can play at a different tempo, the same kind of reason that Chip Kelly came into the pros one to run his, you know, 70 play offense and realizing that these guys are older. It's a more precise game. and can't do that. Do you think that has to do with maybe where they're failing right now, even though I've seen potential and what's happening, uh, the fact you can be down as much as they were in the first game and come back uh, is very promising. Uh, But do you think this Kingsbury fast paced offense is going to work? No, I, you know, I have my skepticism about it. And you bring up great points when you match it up against the college game. For me, there's a couple of different things. One, 
in college, most of your matchups, if you look through the schedule even last week in college, I think they had, they had zero um, top 25 matchups. In most instances, there's such a, uh, I guess, a gap in the talent on the field. So your right. Oklahoma is facing, you know, the school of the, you know, whatever, you know, St. Mary's from uh, Catholic school. They they out they overmatch them well first off with the athletic ability, ability on the field and that gives you the opportunity to run your fast pace. To, uh, you have another thing you have a hundred plus guys uh, on the field you know eighty of them scholarship the rest of them walk ons but you can right. shift guys in and out in the NFL that roster at forty seven man that's all hands on deck and if you're for me if you're going to try to run this type of offense one is going to gas your uh, gas your offensive line and your you know your personnel. Can you keep that up for four quarters? You brought up a great point. They had those late quarter or late uh, game comebacks. Part of the reason why Detroit gave it up so easily in the fourth quarter, one, nobody's playing any football in the, in the fourth in the uh, preseason now. Guys are getting one quarter of action at most, and then they're coming to a regular season game where they're expected to play four. Guys are so tired in these first four weeks of the season. So they took advantage of the fact that they picked the tempo up against Detroit. Detroit took the get, foot off the gas a little bit. They were to make that comeback because of tempo, tempo, tempo. There is, in my opinion, there's no way you can run this style of offense uh, consistently. One, putting your defense out there with their tail in the wind, having to be on the field for these extended amount of plays. Look back to the was it the run and shoot offenses, June Jones and people like that. Oh, this isn't the first. All we're doing is right now here. instead of yeah. running suits, it's read option with well, tempo. That running suit is nowhere be, to be seen all these years later because it just doesn't work. You have to have a running game to support that, that, uh, that offense. Who the hell is you know? You have, you have to sustain long drives, et cetera, et cetera. No idea. Sorry, guys. I feel like I have something playing in the background. My question here. I want to follow up on that, um, Ed. And look, you're an you've you've been in the NFL. You've also played baseball, which I think is awesome. I think is going to help us get a, even a, another layer of assessment with Kyle, Kyler Murray, right? There, there's something special there about two sport guys. You know what insight can you bring? But here's here's my thought, and I I never I'm not I wasn't a football player. I'm a football fan, right? But I watch college football, and I go this is that there are four or five guys on the field that look insanely fast, and everybody else looks kind of okay. And so what I think is that is that when I see now, I mean, I'm sure if you look at Alabama or you look at Georgia and stuff, I mean, that's it's different. But guys that look really fast in college, like like, oh, my God, this dude would annihilate it in the NFL. When you put them in the NFL, they're still fast. But so is everybody else. When I went to graduate school, my 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 mentor said this is he said, look, you've made a you know, he said you have half assed it through college. And you made A's because your professor was happy. You're the only person that wrote a halfway decent damn paper. But now you're in a in a setting where everybody's paper is very good. And so while I think that this is my, my I guess, my thesis when it comes to college offenses, I think you can take cues from them, right? Mm-hmm. I think you can integrate some things. But the theory that, that these things, like you can out-scheme the NFL some way, I don't know if it works because your offensive linemen run four fives. You know, I mean, your defensive linemen run four fours in the, in this world, which is insane. So, and then you made this. And then the other point you made was, is this puts a lot of stress on your offensive line. But when it doesn't work, when you go three and out, 
your defense is sucking wind. Mm-hmm. And and so how do you balance that? Does a coach learn and, and is is that really the the litmus test for Kingsbury is how does he bring the innovation, the speed and those kind of creativity but also recognize too that he's at a different party and that party has some different etiquette. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, does that make sense? No, it does. You know, for for Kingsbury, this is going to be the season of adjustments for him, finding out what works, what doesn't work. Um, A stubborn coach will try to stick to his guns, and this is the way we do it, and we're going to make this work. A good one, uh, you look at somebody like a Belichick, and, you know, nobody likes to give him a lot of credit up there, but from week to week, he's like a dude that takes whatever you give him and turns it into whatever type of soup he has, you know, whether this week is alphabet soup, he's got some leftover, right. yep. you know, chicken, he's got some leftover to whatever it is, and he makes a new soup each week. So this is going to be the challenge for Kingsbury. Uh, the other thing is you got you throw in the – Oh, God. It broke up a little bit. Hey, Ed, you're breaking up. At, oh, there he is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, a lot of these coaches – in the NFL don't like this new dude coming in, you know, with all this bravado and he's going to do this, do that. And they're going to make it a point every week they play against Kingsbury, they're going to come with their best scheme. They're going to come with their best attack on him. And his job is going to be to figure out how he can adjust and adapt to this new life in the NFL. Josh Jones in the chat. Oh yeah, you're right. Every coach. Shouldn't they be coming with their best game every week? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Say that again. I was gonna say, shouldn't they be coming with their best game plan every week to come out like, to whoever they're playing? Every team, I, like I, every I team. I'm saying they do, but they also like to give a little extra. Meaning, think about what the gotcha. Raiders did to them in the preseason. Second preseason game, nobody schemes and nobody sends blitzes. This is probably one of the most vanilla games of the whole entire year. The second preseason game, they mm-hmm. came at Kyler Murray and Kingsbury with everything they had. Uh, just to prove a point, and that's going to be yeah. kind of the theme throughout the year. Everybody tries. Everybody comes with their best, but I'm saying they're going to give it a little extra. They're going to throw okay. a little something in there to to try to to to, to tell you that. welcome to the league, welcome to the yeah. league, guys. Yeah. Now, here a question from Josh Jenkins in the chat room, Ed. Um, we've had Demir. We're we're giant Demir Bird fans. So Demir Bird is very little. But we're giant Demir Bird fans. He was a uh, essentially a walk-on, uh, undrafted free agent for the Carolina Panthers. He produced at every turn for the Carolina Panthers. Had problems with injury. Great punt returner. I've seen him return a kick for a touchdown, a kickoff return, and two. Man, he had like three or four touchdowns in one game. He's uh, he's had ten receptions so far for a hundred, about ninety yards with you guys, ninety-five yards. And he's doing a little kick returns. Have you heard of Demir Bird A? Which I know you follow the team, but he's one of our guys. Where He's like our secret favorite. Any thoughts on Demir Bird for our fans? You know, I haven't, you know, up until just last week, I really didn't follow him too much, but he's opening eyes out here. And it's a great thing, you know. And, you know, this is a young, in certain positions, they're very young. You know, they're, we've got a lot of things to prove out here. We've got a lot of guys that, might not necessarily be household names, but I'm going to start keeping my eye on him because he's been one of those guys, the, the little shining light in the uh, some of the darkness out here. So I'm glad he's tied to you guys. I'm glad you guys 
uh, you know, continue to follow him and support. He's him. been on our podcast twice, right? Okay. Is that we got him when he was an undrafted free before, like when he was on, but like the first camp we got him. And my man, by the way, runs like a four three. He in his in 2017, he had 10 receptions for 105 yards. In 2018, let me see. I think that was his year. I mean, he's just he's just dealt with injury over and over because he weighs like 170 pounds and he is like a Demir Bird chicken wing. He's but a, he's got hollow bones like a bird. Baby bird. All right, um, Greg, ask what you were you were, you had a question about their running back. Ask Ed. I did. Yeah, I wanted to come back to what you were saying earlier about how they had to establish the run game because that will that will help. Like, th- there's a reason why. For, just for example, the the Cowboys this year are so good. Well, there's a couple reasons. One, they played crap teams so far. But <laughs> two, <laughs> they, they, they had the fear of Ezekiel Elliott, so that opens up the passing game. That that always helps the passing game is when you have a good established run game. And with David Johnson, I wanted to ask. I know he got injured the other day with a wrist, and I know a couple years ago he he that was his injury that ended the season. Uh, are those two related at all with the same wrist? Do you see anything in the future that might be bad, or is he good to go as far as we know it? I think it's good to go. The, the 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 one thing, and I think I might have mentioned this earlier, that my I'm really really concerned about his fit in this offense. Um, I don't like the running style for him, meaning a lot of things out of pistol. You know, he's more of a downhill guy. Get him out in space, and you know, he went for I think he had 137 all-purpose yards first week of the season against Detroit, and obviously you throw the injury in here with this last one. He ended up with 14 yards rushing, one yard. Uh, a one yard catch, you know, so that's not going to help your young quarterback. It's not going to help your offense. Uh, David Johnson is a guy who should be touching the ball, whether it be through the air or on the ground, minimum of 25 to 30 times, 30 times combined. And if we're not getting that from him, uh, you know, another thing that I saw during the preseason, and maybe it was because it was preseason, maybe it was, it was because, you know, he didn't want to get hurt or he's had some leftover from some of these previous injuries. He's been very tentative. He did show me some signs in the first game, running with a little more authority, but I still don't see that David Johnson from 2016, and it's worrying me a little bit. Mm, we only saw him one year, too. Yeah, without him, there, yeah. without him, there is no offense. He, that's a dude that should be catching, like I said, 10 to 12 balls a game and has his hands on it out of the backfield, 20 to 22 or three, and you know, really producing. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but and, and then some of it comes great. You know, some of it comes back to the offensive line. If if yeah. they're fall, if they're falling behind early, if they are having no success in the running game and they abandon it, so goes the offense, and that will make for some long days for Kyler Murray scrambling around and running for his life. What was the worst? What was the worst team he played on, Ed? Okay, go ahead. Well, I, I just wanted to. So I don't know how much. Um, you know how much you've been looking at the Panthers and, and our problems and the the woes that that we've kind of been going through. But you know you have a home game against Carolina, knowing everything that you now are hearing about Cam Newton. How confident are you in your Cardinals going into this matchup? I mean, how do you think your team matches up with us right now? Until Cody, until I see them do something, I'm not confident at all. I oh, you know God. I. I I know we got an injured, we got an injured Cam Newton. Yeah. You know, I I still believe. You know, obviously you got McCaffrey, you got the other weapons, Olsen. The other thing is the uh, Cardinals defense. They've been porous. I mean, they've given up, uh, you know, multiple yards to whether it be running through the air, 
back-to-back weeks, I think they've given up over 100 yards to tight ends. I mean, they've just they've just decided we're going to do however we can do it. We're going to give it away. Um, so with that being said, Carolina could come in here with a ball control type offense and run right through us. You just never know. Um, it's going to, like I said, I, I, as far as you know, confidence-wise, until I see it, I can't believe it out here. Right. What was the worst team you ever played on, Ed? Man, you know, the worst team I ever played on, believe it or not, turned out to be one of the best. I was in uh, Atlanta my first year. Well, my first year with Atlanta, I was there for two years in 97. And we started that season off one and seven. That was Coach Dan Reeves that came in, took over from June Jones and the run and shoot. We had to add tight ends. We had very little running backs, you know. So it was all total rebuild. We started that season, season one and seven, and we were kind of the laughing stock of the league that year. Finished the season six and two, though, and almost were the first team ever in history to start off one and seven, finish seven and one. We lost our last game of that year out here in Arizona, of all places, uh, last second field goal. So I call it the worst team I've ever played on because it was, man, you're talking about, I don't know if you guys are car dudes, but you ever, you know, you ever get something like it's a total restoration. And this thing, I mean, even the engine. Is, is laying on the ground, you know, tired, mm-hmm. you're on blocks, you know, the whole thing. So to start that season, it, you know, we started in the offseason. I signed early in February that year, went through the whole offseason. And to start that season, man, we were just horrible. But we were building something and didn't even realize it because obviously the following year, we said we finished that season 7-9, and nine, finished up, uh, you know, on a high note the next year, man, 14-2, and two, uh, all the way to the Super Bowl. So it can happen. Have you ever played on a team that was broken, though, internally? And what I mean by that is, uh, so questions have been coming up for the Carolina Panthers. We're, we're trying, we're searching. You know, it's been a long time since we've been confident. We've had our juju. We've 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 placed it on injuries and all this. And the reason I'm asking this is because I watched uh, one of the greatest Panther players, Steve Smith, play on some putrid-ass teams, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what came to my mind was David Johnson. It's like... Was there ever a player you with that you played with and you go, man, I wish he played on a different team and got like his, you know what I'm saying? Like he deserves to get his. I feel like David Johnson could be that guy is like, can we take a running backs already have a short lived career? There's no right. Can we just give them to the Patriots or somewhere to what that way? Like, does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'll be honest with you. you know, I, I was fortunate where majority of teams I played was with the Redskins, two years with the Falcons, Lions, Eagles. All those teams, we we were fairly good, you know, except for right. I said that one uh, season, seven to nine season in Atlanta. The, I'll take that and transform what you're saying to a dude out here on the Cardinals, Larry Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald. Oh. I mean, you just, I feel so bad for Will him. Will he ever stop playing football? I, it's, you know, it's 46 the, season, I think, right? At the level he's playing, though, I mean, you, you know, and I know <laughs> yeah. this probably won't playing. last forever, yeah. But I feel so bad. You, if you went through his uh, personal quarterback roster, the number of dudes that have thrown him passes, and some of the dudes he's had to deal with, man, it's been really, really bad out here. So, I, you know, I, I just hope at some point, and it's probably the end of the road for like, I'm He's one of those dudes. I don't see him all of a sudden deciding well. Uh, I'm going to take a one-year deal and go to XYZ. He's been here his whole career. I think when he finally calls it quits, he's going to call it quits as a Cardinal. So I just don't think, uh, you know, they had that one year, the 97 year, went to the 
as a wild card and it turned it into a Super Bowl appearance. I think that's probably going to be his only one, though. He's only 36, which is, I mean, only 36. Yeah. He's been playing in the league since 2004. It's insane. Here, let's kind of, I know that you are a busy man and we don't want to keep you all night. What do you really want to see? What are you looking for in the game against the Panthers? In just assessing, I mean, obviously, everybody wants people to win and different things, but you're looking at this from an expert's position. What are you going to be looking at? Are you going to be looking at improvements in offensive line? Um, is Maybe is it a temperature from the quarterback, or, or what is it that you are looking for on Sunday? Definitely improvement, and not just in the offensive line, but the defensive line as well. We really didn't touch on the defensive side of the ball that much. I want to see them with more gap um uh, security. The other thing is that defensive line has to put some pressure on whoever is back there at quarterback for you guys because we obviously we're minus Patrick Peterson for six weeks. So we're two weeks into that experiment. That young, inexperienced secondary, they need all the help they can from the dudes up front. Uh, Chandler, um, Chandler Jones, uh, Suggs, they've got to get some pressure on the ball, on the quarterback, you know, stop the run game, keep the pressure off those dudes in the secondary because they can be picked apart back there, and it's just easy pickings if you ask me. As far as the offensive side of the ball, want to see that offensive line come out and be nasty, hit somebody, move some people off the ball, uh, get that running game going, and protect Kyler from having to throw the ball 40 and 50 times in a game. You know, this is not sustainable if you ask me, and Kyler's done a really good job. I've been really impressed with the fact that even in that Detroit game, he came out, and a lot of dudes would have went into the tank with that first three quarters they had. He kept his even, you know, cool demeanor. He brought the team back little by little, and then they got on that roll. I'm very impressed by that. Like I said, I just hope they can give him more help um, and maybe, ironically, maybe get him to use his legs just a little more. He's only run the ball a couple times this year, uh, you know, through a few times, I think 17 yards on nine care, whatever it is. But that part of his game still hasn't – are they holding it back? Are they holding it back, you think? I, I'm not sure. It's almost – I'm wondering whether he's holding it back or they're holding it back. I'm really not sure. Uh, maybe it's a protection mode. They don't want him out there in the middle of all those trees. But at the same time, there have been some times when he scrambled, but it's been more horizontal scrambling than vertical right. scrambling, meaning finding that seam, hitting it, and getting right. up and getting down. We saw what Lamar Jackson did last week. Ran for what 125, I think it was, and yeah. protected itself. So I'd like to see more of yeah. that from Kyler. Uh, and then the other thing is just more ball control and, and and put some points on the board in the red zone. He also threw the ball from Miami to Baltimore. The good gosh, Lamar <laughs> yeah. Jackson just flicking it around. All right, final question for Ed, uh, Greg. Go ahead, everybody. Give him one question. I got one more in the hole. So you say you're on the 98 Falcons team, right? Yes, sir. Which means that you were on the Tennessee championship run, Super Bowl run. So you played with Jamal Anderson. Now, I know Jamal Anderson was a, a plus 2,000-yard running back from scrimmage that year. I think he had 1,800 rushing yards, a little more than that maybe. Uh, about 16 to 18 touchdowns. I can't remember. I'm, Great year. Huh? Yeah. What I want to know is when you – if you remember that, do you see Christian McCaffrey as a player that can do something like that in this league? Uh, because I know growing up, I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade then, and I remember watching Jamal Anderson and thinking about how amazing he was. Uh, I just looking up his stats. Uh, I would love to see Christian McCaffrey do something like that, and I think he's capable of it. Do, from what you've seen of Christian McCaffrey, do you think he's capable of doing that? I definitely do. I think McCaffrey's even more dynamic than Jamal was. Okay. Um, he was, you know, Jamal, uh, great running back. 
very stocky, very built. He wasn't yeah. running away from anybody, though. This dude was, <laughs> and our, our offense was predicated on, you know, some of those hard-hitting runs and a lot of play action. We got some all out of the backfield every now and then, but he wasn't really what you call a supreme uh, receiver. McCaffrey, he's a whole package. I mean, you can run okay. him up the middle. He'll get outside for you. And in the passing game, he's just – he's so dynamic. So, uh, I definitely see him putting up those type of numbers and, and then some. I'm only upset that on three of my fantasy football teams, I got him on none of mine. So, I'm a little – You didn't have the number one pick. That's obviously yeah. it. Cody, yeah. la- Cody, you got a question for Ed to close it out. Yeah, so a brief statement is that well, kind of how you feel about your Cardinals is basically how we feel about the Panthers right now. We don't we don't know what to feel going into this game. The Cardinals have a better record than we do. How about that? Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't know, we don't know. We don't know who our quarterback is going to be. Both of our quarterbacks looked, uh, our backup quarterbacks looked terrible in the preseason. So trash, you, man. We, we really don't know what. Uh, what to expect going into this game. My final question for you is, do you feel Chandler Jones will ever get the love that he deserves and is owed to him as one of the best defensive players in the game? I feel his sack numbers and pressures are always up there with the best in the NFL, but he's never talked about in the same way that Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Khalil Mack are. So what's your assessment on Chandler Jones, and do you think he'll ever get the respect that he deserves? Cody, as long as he's out here on this roster with this defense, with this organization, <laughs> he's always going to be kind of overshadowed because of the lack of team success. Right. You know, the accolades yeah. come when you're on a team that's balling out and you're the superstar. Man, when it's this bad, I mean, it's hard to even, you know, you look, you're like Larry Fitzgerald. You look at the numbers he's put up through all the years, and it's still – he never gets the respect of a Julio Jones, of a you know T.Y. Hilton, right? Um, and, uh, you know uh, all the premier wide receivers because of what he's dealt with here. So until until we either turn around in the, on the scoreboard or he finds another location to to collect his paycheck, he's always going to be on that second tier. If you ask me, my final question has to do with. Um... It's similar because you bring it not only experience from the NFL, but obviously you're watching the Cardinals intently, a team that has had a bad offensive line for a long time now, who now has brought in a quarterback who is mobile. But this guy looks like a little uh, – everybody makes these great jokes about <laughs> Kyler Murray on the Internet, like the little Giants yeah. jokes, all of this. But what I'm my question has to do actually with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers fans have been – very upset with the organization for what they believe they have taken advantage of Cam Newton and taken advantage of him in a way that he is a big giant man who can withstand a beating, who is mobile, who has been our super cam for so long. And right now I feel like it's like that super, that, that movie where Superman lost his superpowers. That's where we're at right now with super cam. But what are your thoughts on an organization owing a player? Kind of like you drafted a what Cody has said over and over, a generational talent with uh, Cam Newton, and owing him enough to give him protection and weapons. Is there any merit to that as a fan base? Like where we're kind of upset with our team for not doing what we believe they should have with that opportunity? 
or is it something like, hey, the NFL is a tough business and every team is trying to manage their roster and we we worked with, you know, that's, he's mo- that's the best we could do. Your fan base is absolutely right. You saw what happened up in Indianapolis with uh, Luck. You know, they, he got he took a beating just like Cam has over the course of the you know first bunch of years of his career. The difference is up in Indy, they finally started to put pieces around them, showing right. up the offensive line, getting him running game, you know, getting you know better on the defensive side of the ball so they could stay in games and him not having to win games thirty-five to thirty-six. Unfortunately for him, his body and his mind gave out on him, and he finally he called it quits prematurely. You know, at, at his time, I won't call it prematurely. He called it quits when it was time for him to call it quits. For Cam, they pretty much and it's it's an evil business, fellas. When you you know, you know, whether you're a superstar or just a you know a worker, a guy making seven thousand dollars a whatever a month or whatever. When they're, when they're done with you, they're done with you, and what they'll try mm-hmm. to do is try to get as much out of you as quickly as possible, as efficiently as they can, meaning if they don't have to pay you that huge salary, whatever it is, they'll eat you up, chew you up, spit you out, and then they're done. What they – the, I guess the blueprint for Cam in Carolina would have been what they did for Luck in Indianapolis. It just never materialized. And, you know, I guess – I know for sure you guys can attest to the number of offensive coordinators he's had in there quarterback coaches i mean so they've tried they've tried to put band-aids on things rather than close the wound and 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 heal it and go from there and that's just a sign like i said we'll we'll see how long and how much cam can take but he's obviously actually he's a superior talent um and let's not let's one last thing let's not forget sometime athletes we put this stuff on or we, we bring some of this on ourselves as well there's a lot of times when cam could have been sliding instead of trying to you know run linebackers over and stuff like that. So he has to take a little accountability for that. But at the same time, the organization should have been taking care of him all along the way, getting him the people he need and putting him in the right position. His beating has come so much in the pocket, strangely, you know, and, but uh, I, I lied. Do you love football more or less after you play professional football? Originally, man, I was a baseball dude. And that's why I went and did that for nine years and then when I made the transition, you know, last time I played high, uh, football was in high school. Now, you know, after a year over, like a summer or spring or over in the World League, I came back next year and I was in the NFL. I didn't realize how much I missed that and loved that game, man. It is something else. Nothing like coming out of a tunnel on a Sunday or whatever day it is. And, you know, I, I'm paying for it now, you know, surgeries after surgeries. And, you know, I just turned 50 earlier this year. I'm 50-year-old man and about a 60-year-old body. But if you ask me if I do it all over again, I would dag on sure do it again. I would just make a little couple changes along the way. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a game that you love, and you have to have a passion for it because, like I said, it does suck the life out of you. But it's well worth it, man. I heard Roman Harper today on the internet uh, on the radio, and Roman Harper is, I mean, I've a longtime pro bowler played. He he turned gray. He turned gray when he was twenty eight. I did. I'm yeah. the same way. I got I got gray. My first gray hair was in the eighth grade. I feel you, Roman. <laughs> but Roman said this today on the radio. He said forty five percent of the people in the NFL don't really like football. The other sixty percent love the game. Do you disagree argue, with that number? I would argue with that number a okay. little bit just just because. 
you don't do something like that and put yourself through something like that. I know the money's good, but man, the things that it takes to one get on a roster, stay on a roster, the off season, the sacrifice, you know, you don't do that just because, you know, well, it's a paycheck. You do that because you love what you're doing. And I, I think what happens is a lot of times guys finish up their career and you look back on the toll it's taken on you. And toward the end, it does get a little miserable with everything you're dealing with. But, them, I mean, you have to look at the whole package, man. I mean, all the things that I've put myself through and played through, bones sticking out here, you know, ligaments gone here. And, man, like I said, I would do it all over again just because of the love of the game, not for the money. What was your position in baseball? That's what I was going to ask him next, yep. I, I was a third baseman. I play, I was an everyday yeah, third baseman. Man. I played a little first. And uh, toward the end of my career, I played a little left and right. One of my uh, – Frank Thomas and I, at one point, we were manning the, the hot corners. I was always at third and he was at first. So that was a big-ass uh, uh, corner duo. Uh, so, you know, we, we had we, the pleasure of working together for some years. Shaq Thompson is a linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. He was originally drafted, I think, by the Reds before he became a play, uh, football player. And uh, – Somebody asked him once. We had a a beat writer from Washington because that's where he played college at on the show, and he asked uh, Shaq Thompson about the game of baseball and like what the deal was, what the problem was, and he said, "Look, I just couldn't hit a curveball." <laughs> he went, he went one and thirty six, and uh, he said, "I couldn't hit the curveball." What was your white well, Ed? You know, early in my career, man, if it wasn't straight and hard, I didn't want no part of it. You know? But what, what happens after you play the game long enough, you become an actual hitter. Like I said, my from my first year to my last year, my ninth year, man, I was a hell of a hitter. I mean, I could hit it all. I, you know, I started using all parts of the field. You know, uh, or like I said, early in my career, though, man, like I said, if you threw me something with a hook on it, or a split or something. Oh like that. God, dang. I, I was I was coming out them shoes, but I wasn't touching nothing. You know. Frank Thomas with the truth, yeah. won't he? Oh yeah. my goodness. Best All batter in my lifetime. Best batter of my lifetime. And the, the the real cool thing for me is like I said, I knew Frank. Uh, I was drafted in eighty seven. Frank came to the organization in eighty nine. I saw raw Frank, you know, and like I said, we got to play together to watch him develop and go to that next level was was kind of really it's really cool. You know, that's part of being an athlete, you get to see some dudes, and we all like to think we're the best at everything we do. Man, yep. for the first time I saw Frank hit, I was like, "Damn, that dude can break." He's the best, <laughs> yeah, best hit, best hitter I've ever seen, man. My man owned the plate more than anything. All right, Ed Smith, believe in Arizona, believe in Cardinals podcast. Tell me how they can find your radio show because with the internet. We can listen to everything, brother. Yeah, no, we're on NBC Sports Radio, 1060 AM out here. Uh, as far as um, every Saturday, 10 to 12, you can catch us on the NBC site out here. Uh, also, I'm on Ed, at Ed Smith Speaks on Twitter. Glad to be following you guys now. And definitely look forward to, you know, anytime you need me or, you know, I'd love to have you guys even come on my radio show. Please, please. The year. And, uh, you know, we do the Facebook thing. It's the Easy Sports Talk Show. So that's on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, so, you know, that's how we get down, man. And I got to tell you, you guys are great fans, but you do an even better radio or a podcast. I was looking forward to being there. When you sent me the um, the rundown for the show, I was like, those dudes know what the heck they're doing. So I was looking forward to this. And like I said, anytime you need me, and I look forward to staying in touch and 
anything I can do to support you guys, you know I got you. Well, appreciate you have been it, you've been so yeah. gracious with your time tonight, and I thank you so much. And I know all of our fans are going to go follow you. You've been fantastic. Everybody, go check out Ed Smith Speaks. Any last words, guys? I was just going to say, Ed, uh, the Bat Daddy Fifty Two just followed you on Twitter, man. Uh, I'll definitely hit you up sometime to talk about some sports. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all around everything, so you know, appreciate it, man. Look forward to talking to you. Yeah, all right. Thanks for joining the show, Ed. You were awesome, man. You got it, man. You got appreciate you guys. I look forward to being in touch soon. We'll see how yeah. this game shakes out. All right. Look at that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.